0: Welcome back to your favorite science news show, Africa Science Focus. I'm Michael Kaloki. Thanks for joining us. How much do you know about your body's nervous system? That's the command center that controls our movement, automatic responses, and our thoughts and memories. Beginning in our brains, our nervous systems are spread throughout our entire bodies, and they are studied by neuroscientists, and Neurosurgeons. As Johannesburg's Berg's Med moderfontein Hospital hums and buzzes around her, we find out more about this fascinating field of study from leading neurosurgeon Soseka Mfundisi. Dr. Mfundisi is only the third black female neurosurgeon in South Africa and the second black woman to be admitted as a Fellow of the country's College of Neurosurgeons. Halima Athumani has the story
1: many people when they think of it and they hear of it they think oh wow what a complex and scary and uh potentially deadly thing you know depending on you know whether you're hearing about it you're a medical student or you are a a high school student who wants to do medicine and maybe do neurosurgery or you're a patient who needs neurosurgical intervention and i would like us to 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 move away from that it is a very lovely specialty it is nice and complex but fun you know very fun once you understand it and also for the patient themselves it has improved and uh, you know, advanced in such ways that you know, it is no longer a deadly you know, intervention for conditions. One of the things that I always find difficult is when you have delay in decision making by families when there's a need for intervention out of fear you know and you know it's out of fear of what needs to be done opening the head and that unfortunate delay can then of course worsen the potential outcomes so I just want you know would like the just general community to start trusting that this specialty is, 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 is there and it is advanced to make things uh, successful and of course if there are people who are lawmakers and policymakers in the continent to actually just invest in it invest in it and you're gonna save lots of money because the impairment that can result from not investing in the in, in, in neurosurgery services is very expensive to any government and to any nation and to any family as a matter of fact so let's you know try to con- let's continue to invest in it and continue to advance it and continue to actually um, make sure that it has the, a very wide reach for our communities to benefit from it
0: neurosurgeons are doctors that help with medical conditions related to the brain spine and other parts of the body's nervous system dr Mfundisi manages brain and spinal emergencies and she's an expert in performing brain surgeries for trauma and injuries cancer and other conditions Uh,
1: so yeah and it's, it's important to have africans in general in the neurosciences because the topic on its own and the subjects on its own is a very complex, but it's also not very easily translated into our context of living. Uh, You know, when a person comes to you with a neurological complaint, they usually have many perceptions, you know, because most of the time, you know, things are happening in the brain or happening within the spinal cord. People can't see them, you know, and they present in a very maybe strange fashion in that they may cause like a referred pain or uh, they will present with a difficulty in speaking or difficulty in naming objects. So to translate that and understand it for a patient that actually there's something structurally wrong in your body that is causing this and in fact what is causing your problems of being unable to speak is from the brain. Uh, it may you know it may sound like you know you're just doc doc you know you're just sucking this out of your thumb but there's no such you know. So we, as, as a person who's an African and understands that and African culture and nuances and everything, it tends to help quite a great deal you know when I'm then interacting with this patient and i trying to explain these things because there are things in the language and the culture that one uses to their advantage to make sure that they actually can get the information across to the patient.
2: Okay, I know you've already mentioned a bit of how you started your journey but when did you decide that neurosurgery is what you wanted to do? What was that moment?
1: Simply, you know, mine is so easy to remember and it is vivid, and I can remember as if it was yesterday. I get invited by a mentor, a gentleman who was doing neurosurgery at uh, in, in, the University of Cape Town, which is where I was doing my undergrad. I went to theater with him and uh, observed him operating a brain tumor. So I had seen the patient before the patient went to theater, so I knew what the patient's problems were. They go to theater, they get operated, and then after this operation, the patient is fine, they're well. It's a complex surgery of opening the skull and exposing the brain. And then you have a fully functional person immediately, like, you know, within days afterwards. And this is a very drastic improvement that I saw. So on the patient so that excited me a great deal you know that one can achieve that and actually serve a patient in that manner i thought there is nothing there should be nothing better in medicine that was my thought you know and then that's why i then decided to go for neurosurgery i,
2: I imagine many people would actually after seeing that whole procedure they'll probably say no this is not what, what i wanted to do but simply put you cut people open what keeps you sane and step while at it um, my job is like
1: any other, it's like any other, <laughs> It's not. <laughs> it's just, I, I just happen to open heads and open spines. Look I was surgically inclined I guess as a student as well so none of it made me cringe. Mm. Uh, so quite honestly I don't overthink and obsess about how different it is from other things. Of course feel quite privileged you know to be able to care for persons, uh, for human beings and make them feel better and be trusted by them to make them feel better. That is a, a privilege that I, I, I don't take lightly. But the, 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 the practice on its own, the practice of neurosurgery, for me, is like going into the office like any other person, you know? Uh, so it is not very really different from any other job. So yeah. Wow, the way you say it's a job like any other day, I cut heads, I cut
2: spines. But with the fact that you're also a pediatric surgeon, What's the most challenging part of your work? Are there good moments, heartwarming moments in your work?
1: many heartwarming moments. Oh, wow. they're very, are many heartwarming moments. The, the job is challenging. You know, you meet uh, in the context of operating on children, you meet a parent you know, I'm also a parent, I've got uh, three small children and you meet a parent who is uh, distraught and devastated by the news, for example, of their child having a brain tumour. There are times, of course, unfortunately when there is nothing that can be done and the condition is terminal and you have to take that hard conversation, uh, you know, ahead with the patient and their, and with their, with their patient relatives and the, you know, the, the, the family. Those are, you know, moments that happen in between and it's just basically part of the trade. But in the most, you know, children are very rewarding to treat. They, bounce back, they punch back, uh, you know, when you, when you do something uh, to assist them. So they, they help you along, you know. Uh, you know I usually say to, 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 to some colleagues that, you know, one of the most important things about a child is that when you're operating on them, you just need to just keep them alive during the operation. If you manage to keep them alive during the operation, you've conquered the majority of the challenge. And then after that, you then let them play and let their brains recover and let their brains reconnect and wake up other cells that are no longer, that that are dormant uh, and that are now needed, you know. So interestingly, I had a patient recently uh, who had a condition that we call hydrocephalus, which is basically loss of water in the brain. And they had a a strain in, but it was no longer working. It sometimes blocks. So when that happens, the patient can stop breathing. And the patient was in another hospital where there's no neurosurgeon. And I was interacting with a pediatric colleague and telling her, look, this is what we need to do. Because even if you're going to airlift that child, she's not going to make it, you know, if we don't do ABC. And I took her over the phone, you know, calmly about what to do. They did what they needed to do. The child arrived to us. The child is now well and at home. You know, so it's, you know, there are many moments, it's peppered with moments of of of, of greatness and, 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 and just pure acceleration and joy at achieving something for a patient. Wow.
2: You're a mom, I'm a mom, and I think for many people, uh, many times when a child is sick, there's this wish as a parent for you to just wish that you, know, you could just take that illness out of your child and then put it on yourself so that if anything happens, you to deal with it. If you've, you've spoken about the happy, the, the warming moments. Is there a moment where you probably found yourself? I know you say that one of your first goals is to make sure you keep the child alive during the procedure. Are there moments when you walk out of that room and you have to give a parent bad news? Do you remember any such moment?
1: Yeah, that is definitely uh, something that happens, you know, in the, but in the overall with neuro, fortunately for us, you know, we don't have the dramatic uh, things that you see on TV about, you know, a, a surgeon coming out of theatre, who, you know, with, uh, you know the, patient, the patient no longer being alive. Those are very few and far in between. In fact, in my entire space, time of, in neurosurgery, training and uh, specialists combined, I've only experienced that once. Our patients, you know, tend to come out with us to ICU. um, You know what usually is devastating is sometimes when you then come across uh, the histology, you know, or the, 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 when you've taken the tumour now to the lab and the lab tells you what it is, and then you realise that you've got a malignant tumour, that is the child is not going to survive for very long, you know, to then have that conversation with the family is very difficult. Uh, so you know, and and look, we are privileged to work with very able uh, colleagues in the allied disciplines, speech therapists, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, dietitians, you know and uh, you know um orthotists as well they 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 bring such value to the treatment of the patient that even though sometimes you may come out of theater with a person patient was worse you know that with their intervention and rehabilitation their patient is going to get there and is going to get fairly decent function
2: in africa many patients only seek modern medicine after using a lot of african traditional medicine uh, without the, mm-hmm. without undermining the other, any of you, how can the two work together in health?
1: Just basically starting off by respecting the expertise that are brought by each on the table, uh, and just acknowledging that you know I, I you know a colleague of mine uh, you know uh, Dr. and a good friend of mine, Dr. Talengufo, said once that we must be humble as as um, as Western medicine practitioners and that our patients don't come to us first. You know, they come to us perhaps as a last resort, you know, so that should humble one. And I think that, you know, that was very interesting, that's what she said. And I really look at things that way now, you know, that actually I'm just humbled that you actually thought of me in the line of people that should treat you, you know. And so also the just keeping open lines, you know, and respecting uh, the abilities of one and the other also respecting the patient themselves, you know, and their interpretation of their condition. Because things really always revolve around interpretation of what, what is wrong, or what you think is wrong with you. Uh, and then many people will then go on and consult, you know, a traditional healer and all of that. And I have patients who do that as well. And even after, them, sometimes they consult you and you show them they've got a brain tumor and it needs to be removed, they would like to rather go to a spiritual uh, person and then see if there can be any spiritual intervention. And I encourage it. I don't, you know, look down on it at all. Uh, I just would like to keep open lines of communication between myself and the other treating practitioner on the other side, so that we can both pick up the red flags and pick up the duration early. Because at the end of the day, it's not about either of our egos. It's about the service to the person who has come seeking help from both of us, you know, and we need to humble ourselves and and, and put that person's best interests at heart and and put them first. So that is, just, just generally how I feel and wish that these things can be, can, can be managed. You know, I'm an African myself, you know, um, and you would have been uh, taken to a traditional healer yourself as a child or even as an adult, you may choose to. So I, I have got, you know, it's, it is not a foreign concept to me that people will seek a, a traditional or a spiritual healer, you know, but we just need to be able to respect each other's expertise and also just keep uh, open lines of communication amongst ourselves. amazing.
0: While there are 460 members of the Association of Future African Neurosurgeons, the number of doctors on the continent who specialize in the field remains staggeringly low, according to scientists. That's all we've got time for this week. If you want to read more about Sosekam Fundisi's experiences, you can head over to our website at www.scide. .net Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis and edited by Fiona Broom, with reporting from Halima Athumani. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Michael Kaloki. See you again next week. This program was funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York.